but touch wood that I'm healthy, that there are obviously people out there with a lot worse situations than I am. So always be thankful, count your blessings. It is what it is. It's understandable. It's understandable to feel, you know, that kind of stale kind of feeling, if you like. You've got every right to to feel that kind of way, but it's nice that you always remind yourself that, and it's not a case of reminding yourself so that you can feel better. It's just a case of reminding yourself so that you can feel blessed and lucky and humble yourself in the fact that there are people out there that are going through a lot more shit than you are, like dodging bombs or trying to get hold of clean water. And that's humanity, man. Yeah. So, and that's, we ain't trying to gas shit up or get cheesy. Yeah. That's real fucking shit. Yeah, yeah. So anytime you feel sorry for yourself, shit is going to get stale. Like, it's as real as that. There's no way, to, you can't cotton, you can't try and wrap it up in every other way. But you've got to trick the mind, Hash. You've got to be, you've got to have the ability to say, I can defeat those thoughts or I know how to, I know how to counteract those thoughts. Like today, yeah, I woke up and I thought, fucking hell, man. It already looks dark, number one. Everything's lock off. But I just invested my time into um, Leeds-Leicester. So I was watching that game. It was a high-scoring game. Last time I saw it, because I had to shoot, shoot out, it was 3-1 to, to Leeds. And, just, and then I finished off with the Liverpool game. And that just gave me something to enjoy, appreciate, in terms of the beauty of what I'm seeing on the screen. Some of the goals were heavy tonight as well. And um, just keep reminding yourself that it's not going to be forever in the sense that the weather's going to get better, number one. For sure. Number two, it's, you, it's, like I said to you, you're going to have those days where it is going to be slow, but it's what you can do what you can do to counteract those kind of moments. So however you however you see fit. Bottom line is bro, like there's gonna be there's gonna be days that are gonna be like slow as fuck. But don't remember and don't forget, sorry, days like that, you just gotta go through the archives. You gotta find some movies, you gotta find some fucking shows, or you gotta find something, or physicality. It's either physicality or it's mentality. So it's either or I also need to get a haircut. Yeah, let's not talk about haircuts tomorrow. What happened? Well, look, I'm just glad this is audio. I'm glad this is audio <laughs> because, you know, um, look, all the barbers are shut as everyone as everyone has been dealing with. So sometimes you turn to a friend and you say to a friend, maybe, maybe you have the talent to be able to cut my hair. Maybe I feel that you could do what is needed what to be do? done. What, so what's he done on the sides? Look, the instructions were simple, yeah? yeah? Just cut the sides of my hair. Yeah. Don't touch the top. And then I started to think, fuck, how's he actually going to blend the, the sides into the top? And that's when it was too late by then because he's already <laughs> was going and, uh, you know, my hair was falling off my head. But basically, as he's obviously cut the, around the sides, it looks like he's gone from, it's like a step. So he's gone from one level shockingly and abusively into another level. So where I used to have hair, I now have no hair. And then maybe a millimetre above that, I have loads of hair. Did still. your hair grow back quickly? Let's hope so. I'm just going to wear my hat, keep it low key. And um, this is an example of what's getting on at the moment. Where um, It's wicked, it's weird, isn't it? Because films never really show that. Films never really show that. Like, when you watch zombie films or end of the world films, they never really show like... Well, Contagion showed it a little bit with the supermarkets, but they never really show what it's like to try and date or to try and get a haircut, or to try and do shit when you're in the middle of, you know, a pandemic or what feels like a new dystopian kind of way of living. Um, and clearly one of them is trying to get a decent haircut, which I failed miserably to do. So have you watched anything? Have you grabbed any? Yeah, I watched, like <laughs> I watched something very random. Okay. It's called A History of Swearing. 
on Netflix. Yeah. And it's hosted by none other than Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen Nicolas Cage in anything for ages. That's because all his films never get any advertising or promotion. You reckon? If you Google Nicolas Cage... Yeah. Why is that? Because the films are like B-movies. So if you Google his name, you'll like see he's brought, out, he's brought out a film every year for the last 20 years. Yeah. But you'll know none of them. Okay. I, I follow his films, so I know quite a bit about... What's the last film of Nicolas Cage you remember? Um, <laughs> actually. The last right. film... As in, no. I remember his films. What's the okay, last film the last that you remember film. him being in? I've got one for you, and I don't even remember the name of it, but I'm, I'm going to get... That's what I'm, I'm interested to know what your... The first thing that comes to my head is National Treasure, but I know that that's... No. That was quite... I was young when I saw that. Yeah, but... but what do I remember from after National Treasure? And you can't... Yeah, no, there isn't. Because... There isn't. From, National, from National Treasure... Right. I watched a film that he brought out last year. Yeah. He brought out a film last year? He brought out a film in 2019, yeah? Okay, called? It was called Running With The Devil. Okay. And it was with Lawrence Fishburne. Okay. It's so bad that it's good. Really? What's yeah. it called? It's called Running With The Devil. Running With The Devil. And there's a scene with Lawrence Fishburne and some drugs that is one of the funniest scenes you'll ever see, in my opinion, in a film. I just thought it was hilarious the way this thing went down. What's your favourite Nicolas Cage film? I didn't catch that. Could you try again? I wasn't talking to you, Siri. Siri, stop listening, man. <laughs> This podcast ain't for you. <laughs> Real humans only. Um, Nicolas Cage. You know what? He made a film hash, yeah, where... Like, obviously, Conair is obviously, yeah, Nicolas Cage film, Conair, big up to that. That's gone not in, my favourite film. Gone in 60 seconds. Yeah, yeah. But there's a Halloween film that he made okay. where his son gets kidnapped. By aliens? No, bruv. By a witch. His son gets kidnapped by aliens. Uh, by aliens. And now you've got me saying aliens. <laughs> his son gets kidnapped by a witch on Halloween, bro that is only given a portal to come into our world on Halloween. And all she does is come and take enough kids. What's the film called? It's a wicked film, man. Um, yeah, it's called Pay the Ghost. Bro, the ending of this film, which I will not tell anyone, is fucking intense. Pay the Ghost, yeah? It's called Pay the Ghost, right? Okay. So him and his kid go out to see like a, uh, they're at a Halloween carnival, like the whole, do you know what America's like, innit? Like yeah, America, yeah. Like, Halloween is nuts. You come out your house on Halloween in America and it's like street parties. Yeah. So he comes out with his kid and then he loses his kid, but he knows that saying came right. Anyway, for the remainder of the film, it's like all the walls are going up around him in terms of support and help. And, and even his wife's losing a little bit of hope and faith and deep down she must have thought, you fucking idiot, you know what I mean? You lost our kid. But the way that he goes on, bruv, and the way that he gets his kid back, do you know what? I'm surprised the film didn't get bigger. Is it a bigger drama? Love. Is it a horror? It is a thriller. It's a thriller horror, but it's got intensity, bro. The film's got intensity, and the way that he gets his kid back is fucking next level. Like, right, you're rooting right for him. You're rooting for him. So, so check that one out. That's one of my best Nicolas Cage films. Um, what's yours? Mine's The Rock. What a fucking what a film. wicked film. What a film with another one of my. Look, I'm going to I'm gonna try my best. Sean Connery. You're going to try your best? <laughs> Trying your best means you go home and someone else fucks the prom queen. My girl is the prom queen. Rest in peace, Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean Connery's a legend. Yes. But let's just go back to The Rock a minute because that is a wicked film. And if you haven't seen that, to anyone that hasn't seen that, that is a wicked Hollywood explosive. It's a popper popcorn flick. It's a great it's popcorn. It's when popcorn flicks were done well. When they were done well. 
Do you know what I mean? You've got like the army and you've got the army soldiers that are defected and they're like hurt and bruised. So so as the viewer, you get to feel like what it's like when the, the army was played lets by, um, who was the general played by? It's a fucking G, that's who it's played by. In 1979, there were 100 men that were supposed to leave its post. When they got to that command post, there was no one waiting for them. Their families were told they died in honor. Ed Harris. Ed Harris, a G. So yeah, so you've got, so you, so you got that. Then you've got like, they had the chase scene in the middle of San Francisco. Yeah, the chase scene's wicked because that it's just a shame of what happens to the certain car because it's a lovely car. Um, it's a beautiful car. But you know what's you know what's but like I said though. You, so you've got his point of view, Hashi, right? And then you've got you've got the cops who don't know what to do. They're in complete and utter disarray. But then you've got these kind of men in suits that are like not direct cops, but they're around, and they know who to call. And what I love about the film is that it shows you how, and Americans do this a lot in their films, like what maybe used to be their enemy, they'll now use as a resource. So Sean Connery in that film was obviously a bad man, SAS, top dude, chiefing up America for fun in his prime. And, and when they arrest him, obviously he's been in jail for time, but it, they need him. So yeah, if you ain't seen The Rock, um, that's a, that's a good, good, good shout. Very good, good shout, bro. So what do you reckon about James Bond then? Would you say Sean Connery was the best James Bond? No. Or would you uh, say, because Joe Rogan the other day... So, said, I, so I heard what he said. And would, I would you hear really him? back him. Backing Joe? 100%. So, I didn't like what Joe no, said. I didn't like it. I'm going to be what? honest. I didn't like the he, way... Basically he said is that Daniel Craig, when you think of James Bond and who James Bond is and what James Bond is yeah. capable of, no one fits that bill better than Daniel Craig. And you the agree, idea yeah? of, I agree for sure. Okay. When I, the James Bond, because James Bond is, is big in my household. So I started watching it from early and Sean Connery is also one of my favourites. He's, Sean Connery is just, yes, the name's Bond, James Bond. That's what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. It's smooth. Roger Moore was heavy in the game. Yeah. Roger, Roger Moore, Moore was heavy. heavy. And that's when I first started. When you were growing up, what was the first James Bond you remember? Because for me, probably Pierce about Brosnan. 9, 10. Yeah, see, I'm older than you. So for me, it's Roger Moore. Yeah. And didn't like Pierce Brosnan, but you probably don't even. Sorry, um, not Pierce Brosnan. Oh fuck! What's his name? Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. No, well, he, Pierce Brosnan was decent. I liked him as James Bond. He wasn't bad you at all. You like Timothy Dalton? Yeah, I didn't feel yeah, Timothy, he was crap. man. <laughs> Timothy he was crap. You know what it felt like? It felt a bit like I don't know, like Rowan Atkinson yeah, kind yeah, of style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this he wasn't to Rowan a serious Atkinson. Bond. He wasn't. No, as in he wasn't a serious. Uh, you couldn't take him seriously. Nah, I know this to Rowan Atkinson because Black Adder. Mr. Bean. Yeah, but Mr. Bean was okay. It Mr. Was Bean's okay. amazing. Nah. Mr. Bean, the fact that there's no... The, what makes Mr. Bean amazing is that all the comedy is through body language. I get you. And I understand the uniqueness of the fact that there's no other character like Mr. Bean. And it was... You know, I used to watch it because there was nothing else on. I'm not dissing Mr. Bean, but I didn't feel it. Mr. Bean ain't stayed with me, but Black Adder has stayed with me. Okay. Did, did you watch Black Adder? Yeah, of course. Like, bruv, what, a, what an unbelievable yeah, programme. Yeah. Like, you had the... When it was set in like the... Hugh Laurie as well, amazing. Yeah, but you had it set in World War One. Yeah. Then you had it set in like another time. Then yeah. you had it set in... And it was like, I loved that shit. Did you, who did you just say? What, in uh, Blackadder? Hugh, Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie. Did you ever used to watch a bit of Fry and Laurie? Uh, not really. I've seen I've seen certain skits, but it's before right. my time. Cool. So just to break it down for people, yeah. yeah. When you're nine years old, there's no Sky TV, there's no Netflix, there's no Virgin, there's no YouTube, there's nothing. So you're getting exposed to these programs because they're on TV, and you ain't got no other channels to watch apart from four. Yeah, four channels. So, but that kind of shit was funny. Like a bit of Fran Laurie was a wicked sketch show, and sketch shows were heavy in the game because. 
when I was growing up, sketch shows were heavy in the game on TV. Like you had Halen Pace, you had Harry Enfield, you had a bit of Fry and Laurie, you had Brian Connolly. But these sketch shows, bro, they were, they were creative, they were funny. Yeah. And you'd watch them as a family. So I recommend to anyone to like, you know, check them out because there's some funny shit on there. There was another dude as well, but I can't, every time I try and think of this geezer's name, I always forget his name. Imagine on a, on a Saturday night or a Friday night, at half six, there'd be like a sketch show. And then at half seven, there'd be like maybe another entertainment show, like Brian Connolly. That's how TV was. Nowadays, you've got 100 million channels and you can watch whatever you want to yeah. watch. But um, yeah, man, those were some wicked, wicked skits. So I still haven't told you about this documentary that I watched, A History of Swearing with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> Let's go back to that, man. We just got, we got into other things. That's how we roll, man. Keep it bouncing, keep it moving. That's it. So where did it yeah, start? Yeah, so what was interesting... Okay, so it started with the F word, with the word fuck. Who invented fuck? Um, no one invented it. They think, they're not sure, they think that it originated in either the 16th, 17th or 18th century. Yeah. Um, and it was attributed to a man whose name was John LeFuck. And the original term meant to strike or to hit. Um, and apparently that it was named fuck because John LeFuck used to like going around uh, or he used to get into loads of fights. All right, so you got a dude whose surname was fuck. John LeFuck. Okay, and he used to like hitting people. Yeah. So they, they, they named the word fuck yeah. due to his motion. So they, they named, it, they named it after him is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And was he French? Um, no, he was English. I think he was English. What, John LeFuck? Yeah, I think he was English. Le? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was English. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay. I, I thought that as well, but no, I'm pretty sure he's English. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there were just so many different... It was it's a short documentary, it's only 20 minutes. But um, what was amazing is that they showed so many different aspects of the word, yeah? So let me give you some of the most random facts on that show. I wrote them down because they were jokes. <laughs> um, for example, swearing releases adrenaline. Yep, true. So whenever you're in a, a situation where like you've hit your toe against the corner of something, what's the first word that you go to? It's the F word with a million U's. Exactly. You've got to hold the U. You to hold for the, the pain U. to go, hold the U. That's my tip. So for the pain to go, just hold the fuck U. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Swearing also increases grip strength by 5%. The word fuck has been used um, by a lot of famous people as their last words. Did it quote any famous people? They quoted a few famous people, yeah. I think one of them was Roald Dahl, actually. Can I just quickly just say, it's yeah. amazing that you mentioned Roald Dahl. His books as a youngster. Incredible. 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 Yeah, go on. Okay. BFG, Matilda. Definitely read them. Um, cultural Moments. Cool. NWA. What song has the word fuck? And it was culturally relevant and it stood for something. The Police. Fuck the police. Big tune. Big tune. Big tune. Ice Cube's verse is heavy in the game on that tune. NWA, man. I remember my uncle my uncle playing vinyl of their album, right? I'm like 12 years old. So I'm hearing this album via my cousin. So my uncle's giving it to my cousin. That's obviously his nephew. My, that's my first cousin. He's like, Ange, check this album out. I'm looking at his album cover hash, right? You got like dudes coming out of bodies. I think it's the second cover album of NWA's. So straight away I'm fascinated. I'm like, what the fuck is this, man? Then I hear the beats. Then I hear some of the tunes. And there was a tune on there, man. It was like a take the piss song. And it was like, give up the pussy soon. All I want is a little womb. I'll get your groove ass at my hotel room anyway it's a wicked tune yeah like obviously forgive me for the language but it was like just, just instantly grabbed and 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 just fascinated by the clothes the culture the word the word play all of it it was like what who are these what what is this shit what is this what's going what is this man it was over for me in rap it was on but anyway going back so yeah it's a cultural moment so nwa transcended with that song what um question for you which actor do you think has the most swear words under his under his or hers belt 
That's a great question. So what actor has said sworn what in all their films combined? In all their films combined. Fucking hell, man. That's a hard one. Um I want to say like a Quentin Tarantino do, actor. Yeah, do process of elimination. Is right, so is it, has this actor been in Quentin Tarantino films? No. Okay. Is he, it, whoever you're thinking of comes second. Who are you thinking of when you said when you said Quentin Tarantino? Like maybe someone like Samuel. Okay, so he's he's in second place. He comes second. He comes yeah, second. I got, I got that. Yeah. <laughs> because Quentin loves a swear word. All right. Um, Quentin loves a swear word. De Niro. No. Okay. Actually, it might be a hard one for you to. I'll do one to, more to guess do. and then you can, okay. you can let us know. I'll do one more guess. So he's in Wolf of Wall Street. Leonardo DiCaprio. All right, fuck it, tell me. Jonah Hill. No way. Yeah, Jonah Hill says the F word more times than any other actor. And Wolf of Wall Street is the film that has the most swear words in. Wow, it used to be man. Scarface. Jonah Hill's first film was Superbad. Was I that think his so, first yeah. film? I think, was, I think his first well-known film was Superbad. He might have done like some and When did that come out? 2010? Like time ago. When did Superbad come out? Yeah, but what I'm saying to you is that Samuel Jackson's been around since like the 19, 1984, yeah. 1985. Jonah Hill's been making films since... Subad came out in 2007. So he's on 14 years. How old is Jonah Hill? Jonah Hill's made some wicked films. You seen that he's film? He's 37. Yeah, but he was, he was young though. Superbad, yeah, super yeah, yeah. he was like, what, 17, 18? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that film where he sells guns? Um, War Dogs. What a film, Wicked man. film. What a film. Wicked film. That scene where he only goes to buy the drawer. <laughs> and the geezer goes, he goes to, where's my out? So they're like, what are you talking about? Fuck off, man. And he goes to the booth. And he's like, <laughs> no problem. And he walks over to the car. Pulls out a strap. <laughs> His mate goes to, what the fuck are you doing? He goes, don't worry, I got a level three firearms license. <laughs> and the true story as well, which is which is that's which why is, these films are staying in yeah. your brain because they they got the trueness to them. The, bro, that scene where he, the, the Iraqis are chasing them after the petrol station, and they just get into the American yeah, zone, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he screams, "I love you, Dick Cheney!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking brilliant that film because it just shot, you think to yourself what that must have been like for them. That's but a anyway, recommendation there. War anyway, dogs. digress number twenty-seven. What were we talking about? What were we talking? About? Oh, you know what we need to watch soon? Do you hear about Godfather Part 3? What they've done? Yeah. Or what Coppola's done? So they've re he's re-edited the whole film. When you say re-edit, what am I watching? The same he's, thing, just in different... So am, I, am, I watching un, am I watching unseen scenes? There's a few. Right. But you're also watching the story being told in a slightly different way, the way that he actually intended it, intended for it to be shown. Who? The director or the no, author no, of the book? Who? Francis. Okay, so yeah. why didn't he do that the first time? The studio. Okay, because you know that film, compared to the first two, is such a disappointment. I liked it in its, in its own way. I liked Did it. you? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, for sure. I don't like when people say they don't like part three. All right, come on and hit me with um, it. Okay, with the it. fact that it showed... What did you like about it? It showed a whole different... It showed, it showed how Michael Corleone's decisions mm. had affected his life into his old age. Okay. And yeah, you can see how remorseful he was. Bro, the scene where he's in, where he's in the Vatican and he's confessing yeah, he his sins to the priest and he breaks down crying. Yeah. And he said, I killed my father's son. I killed yeah. my mother's yeah. son. Bro, that's a powerful scene. Do you know what? When you say it like that, right? And you make me think, okay, fresh face Michael Corleone in the first one. Cold, stone cold, absolute mafia, Don leader. Just became the head of the family. Yeah, yeah. And now when you say him having to live with all of what he's done, yeah. then I can say to you, all right, you know what? Yeah. But in terms of the film in isolation, in terms of how it was delivered to us, like compared to the first two, I just didn't feel, it felt like one of those TV movies. I think, do I you know, know what is with part three? I think why people tend to not enjoy part three as much is because it's, it's not really about Michael at that point. It's about his family, um, and it's, and show it kind of shows a different side to the to the side that we were showing in part one and part two. But there was also this scene at the end, the last scene. Am I going to spoil it? No, if you 
Have you not but, seen God? Well, I guess people haven't seen ma- it. Maybe I know. I know are you, when, okay, you know what happened. Let me just say this. Are you, I don't want to give nothing away. Yeah. Are you touching on steps? Are you talking, yes, about, talking steps? about steps? Yeah. Yeah. So you know when he when he when he starts crying in that scene, yeah. and they remove Francis Ford Coppola removes all audio, so all you're seeing is just Pacino on the screen. Yes, and it's just silence. Is he? Yeah, yeah. yeah when yeah. he's yeah, 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 yeah. And then he makes that face. Exactly. Yes. That was another scene that I was like. Yeah, that was a big scene. Don't get me wrong, but do you know what? Let me put it to you. Let me put it to you in a different way because I guess people are going to agree to disagree. Well, like we've got it here. Hash, we safely agree, uh, safely um, confirm that you like Godfather Part Three. Of course. Yeah, and for me, I don't think it's that great. However, so do you not like? Do you not like it at all? I don't. I don't like it in the sense that I'm not going to sit here and say it's the worst film I've ever seen. Yeah, but I'll tell you what I do like about it. Let's go with that. I think Andy Garcia is slicking it. Love Andy Garcia. I think the way he moves up on on Al Pacino, the way that he's like, sort of, he's got that rebel in him. Don't worry. But he's also he also wants to prove to Pacino that he's a G, and the way that he he'll do it, like the way that he steps in in certain scenarios, and then Pacino's like, "Come and see me tonight, eight o'clock." And what I loved about him was his unwavering loyalty to him as well. Yeah, he's also my mom. My mom loves that geezer, man. That's that's, that's like he was jokes in. Uh, I love Andy Garcia. He was jokes in the Ocean's film. He was wicked in the Ocean's <laughs> film. He was wicked because it was like, he knows these geezers are trying to do something to him and he just, he can't work out how they've done it and he's trying to like catch them in the act. But, so he was good in Godfather Part 3. I thought he was good. I thought that was a good part about the film. But if you look at, maybe it's because of this. Let me throw this at you. The Godfather Part 1, all-star cast. The Godfather Part 2, all-star cast. The Godfather Part 3, no Marlon Brando. No Tom Hagen. No Tom, whatever his real name is. Yeah. I can't remember his real name, but he's a G actor and we should know that. We should definitely we check should that definitely know his and name. say his name. It's very bad. He's in Falling that. Down. He's in, um, he's in Robert Colours. Robert Duval. Robert Duval is in Colours as well. Bad boy film called Colours about LA gang, uh, gangbang film. One of the first films. Anyway, so, so, so what did we just say there? So you've got no Marlon Brando. You've got no Robert Duval. You've got no, what, what's, who's uh, Sonny? James. James Kahn. James Kahn. Major actor. You've got no Robert De Niro. So, and you've no, got, no, I hear you, but I'm, I'm not comparing no, it to no, one I'm, and two I'm, at I'm all. Not, I'm not saying that to convince you. Check this out. All yeah. I'm saying to you is that maybe for me, the film didn't grip me because I'm trying to maybe compare it to the performances and to the impact of the first two films. Yeah, so that's, that's what I said as that's well. That's what it is yeah. for me. Whereas for you, you've looked at the film as how you've looked at it in yeah. terms of just what the actors were and what was presented to you. And that's why you it was It was the only role I was interested in that film was Pacino's, was Michael Corleone, because I wanted to see... Yeah, it was those two scenes specifically that really... Please watch do you that think, film. Do you people think that haven't seen it? Let me ask if you, you haven't this. seen The Godfather at all, please, please, please watch the Godfather films. Yeah, I mean, come on, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? If it's it's a, a no for sure, it's a no-brainer. It's like if you are a human being of a certain age, what, what, what do you reckon, Hash? What do you reckon? Like if you're say 18 above, you got the you're in the right place to be able to watch it. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. a film that has a lot of lessons to teach. Yeah, and, and also, it's just an amazing story, and it's an amazing cast, and it's it's just storytelling at its finest. And also, and and, and for people that are going to watch it, like that are maybe that. Don't watch it with any expectation. Like just like just say to yourself, right, the film lasts for this amount of hours. I'm not walking away until the film finishes and just dive into it. And like, put your phones away. Don't please don't have any phones around you when you're watching this film. Yeah. I mean obviously if that if that can be achieved, it's a bonus. But you know what I mean? Some sometimes I think a lot of the times you try and watch a film and you're already like all over the place. When you know that right, this next couple of hours is to see what's on, then it's a different ball game. Or you can do the other little trick that I do, man. Just give it twenty minutes and however you're feeling, either carry on or don't carry on. Like we ain't here to you know, if if if, if you think it's shit, don't watch it. But trust me that you won't. They're bad boy films. But let me ask you one more thing about 
about that whole thing then from another point of view. Do you think Godfather 3 flowed and complemented Godfather 1 and 2 as a trilogy in terms of the way that we went from story 1 into story 2 and just felt like there was no bumps in the road. It was just absolute smooth viewing. No, and even it, was just, the it was definitely a standalone film. Definitely a standalone film to the first two. Because the maybe, first two, the way they complemented each other. And maybe that's why the third one didn't grip up like me. But for you, you, yeah. you like it as a good film. Yeah, yeah. But as viewers, one you lot two, decide. One and two were just... One and two, innit, bruv? One Incredible. and two. Fucking hell. Incredible. Could you, do you think one and two can live without each other? No, no way. You know what I mean? And, and it was told in the right order as well. It was told in the, in the right order. So beautiful. The way that you had Marlon Brando and Pacino in, in Godfather 1, you saw the young boy, the young man, sorry, become um, his father's. It's, a, it's like a Roman story told in, it's like a Roman story told in the adaption of an Italian mafia in the early 1900s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just thought it was, there's so much beauty in the fact that like the way that Marlon Brando's character has those conversations with Michael Corleone, like who's going to portray him when this happens, what to do here. The way that Marlon Brando's performances in the conference room when he says to the other bosses, if I should find that my son is arrested and found hanging from his cell, I'll know. Or if he's hit by a bolt of lightning. He's, like, it's, getting me, it's getting me pumped up now, bro. It's yeah. making me like, want to just throw a few air punches. I'm going to blame some people in this room. Powerful yeah. fucking shit, man. Because... What you're seeing in that room, right, is 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 sociopaths. Like you're, they're sociopaths, right? But they're also they've got heart, they've got family. But that's the world they live in. They live in a world where they have to operate as sociopaths. They've got to be careful with how much emotion they show. And what Marlon Brando delivered there, and the way the other geezer got up, and then they cried and they kissed each other. Yeah. Like the elegance and the class yeah, of that yeah, yeah. scene it just captures the men of that time in that world. And the dialogue was sick. So. Yeah, the first two films were just... You've got to give it to the director to be able to make a second film and remember what he's done in the first one so that there's no... Like, I'm not sure if there's probably programmes on YouTube where you can find inconsistencies because people do. But for me, on the all-round basis, the first two films, they just like two hands held together, skipping in the park. Yeah, the breakdown of his marriage as well over the two over the course of him falling in love, getting married and then... I mean, that's unbelievable. Again, I'm like, going to try and not spoil it. No, but the way that he goes from... The way that it shows you him moving from one lifestyle to another, you see the impact yeah. that it has on the people around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way that that's acted and delivered on the screen yeah. and the dialogue, I can't think of I can't think of a lot of films that have captured that in that in that way. But yeah, man. Bad boy, wicked films. We're losing one nil. Jose's Jose's under pressure. I don't care what anyone says, Jose's under pressure. And it's half time. It's half time. We're losing away from home to Brighton, and it would appear that we're we six. continue to have this. So what happens if we lose this game? Well, if we lose this game, right? What happens is the confidence and the psychology of the players becomes very, very damaged, and also it means the teams around us. Look, basically, the teams around us. If they win their games, they're obviously going to they're going to go above us. But if you're losing to teams like Brighton, you can't be talking about yourselves as teams that are competing for certain. Um, places in the league like the top four because for a number of weeks now Spurs have just been in my opinion just trying to win games on the cheap or playing this defensive closed in football and then 
hitting teams on the counter-attack, utilising two players, Son and Kane, who are world-class, and then trying to win games that way. And it's, it's not. Once they block out the threat of Kane and Son, we don't seem to have any other way of penetrating teams. And it's getting really frustrating because Spurs are known as a team to play expansive, attacking, creative football. And under Jose... So you're saying this is, this is attributed to Jose's rule? Yeah, I think eventually what's happened is that he's finally got his system into the team. He's finally got you know his, his culture, his way of playing football. And we're starting to see that maybe with the group of players that Tottenham have in their squad, you can play like that. They're, they're not the most adaptable to the way that he wants to play his style of football. You know, we're more of a, a Brendan Rodgers group of players. You know, a uh, a Nuno from Wolves that group of players, managers that want to come and tell their players go and express yourselves. And then people are going to say to me, oh, you know what you're talking about? Fucking Mourinho's a G. You know what I mean? He won loads of trophies, and yeah, he did. But he had different players. If you look at the squad he had at Inter Milan compared to the squad he's got at Tottenham, it's a much more physical, a much more um, defensive squad. If you look at the uh, physical squad, if you look at the one of Chelsea, the, similar again, the Drogba's, the John Terry's, the Balak's, the Lampard's, you know, these are all, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're great footballers, but, you know, they're footballers that play on their physicality, they play on their presence. And I think, listen, man, I'll tell you what, I'll give it to you like this. Would you prefer Pep or Jose? Pep. And it's not, not I'm not being horrible to, or, or, or disrespectful. Jose Marino is one of the greatest managers of all time, hands down. But as a Spurs fan, with managers like Bill Nicholson, with managers like Terry Venables, Steve Perryman, just, just managers of, 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 of that type of culture. Now, don't get me wrong, Jose pisses all over those managers in terms of his career success. But in terms of his philosophies, they're completely different. So yeah, Pep Guardiola or Jose Mourinho? Pep all day. There you go. And it's not because of the trophies. It's because of the man that he is. It's, but it's also the philosophy of football that he plays. So that all watch... or nothing, Yeah, that All or Nothing documentary was amazing in seeing how football clubs run and what happens in the locker room. That, those, those scenes but how are... that football clubs run. How that football clubs because run, Because compared yeah. to the Tottenham one, and it's no disrespect again, I love Tottenham, but... I don't know, like just when you're seeing players putting sweets in each other's mouths while they're playing PlayStation, I know, I love all of that, like, bro, you're my bro, yeah, you're my bro, bro for life. Like, I thought the sweets putting it in his mouth was a little bit too far. But anyway, when you look at the Man City one, bruv, you know, the way they're down with the kit man and the way that everyone's focused on the football and their recovery it's a very and their focused, tactics. Focused team. And, and, and the way that Pep's talking to them, like, it really looked like it was all or nothing. So, yeah, City looked like a very focused team. What about they you? Still are what, a focused what did you team. prefer, the Man City one or the Tottenham one? I preferred the Man City one, but okay. I also enjoyed the Tottenham one as well. No, I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. I, I, but I definitely preferred the Man City one. Um, why? Because of Pep um, and because of the players. And because of the passion that he, that he had, maybe? The passion that he had, for sure. Um, and also, they, City play enjoyable football. Mm. The football they play, you enjoy watching. They do. They really Even currently at the moment, um, they've just come off the back of beating Sheffield United 1-0. So what do you think about Bale at Tottenham? Not being used properly. Um, should be played as either a target man with Harry just behind him not in every game but definitely could have been that could have been experimented at least in a few games um, so he's not being used on the right enough they're not using him on the right so they're not using him enough that's number one hash they're not even trying to use him as a target man if they're trying to say that he doesn't run the way he used to run or he doesn't have the explosiveness that he used to have and then on the flip side of that I do want to say he does look like he moves a lot more rigid these days I don't know if it's an optical illusion and then the last thing I'll say on it, he scored against Wickham. He scored against Brighton, I'm pretty sure the last time he played him. So he's not being used enough and that's pissing me off.
Also, as well, I wanted to mention, right? Have you seen Ozark? I've seen uh, the first, first three or four episodes. No, the first, yeah, just the first three episodes. But uh, one of my boys keeps going on about it, so apparently, I, I really do. Did need you to, not really connect with it? Did not really hit you? I, I wasn't really concentrating on those first yeah, three see, episodes. All right. um, when you get a chance, but I know, I've, yeah, I've heard from trusted sources that it's a very good show. Do you know why? Because I wanted to just sort of like highlight the fact that you've seen all of it. I've seen all of it okay. and I'm waiting for the next ep- series. So you recommend like, it, yeah? Highly recommend okay. it. Yeah, no, just, I've been meaning to jump in. Just for the it. fact that there's a, 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 a girl in it wearing a two-pack t-shirt. Just that alone <laughs> is pretty pretty cool. Um, no, but it's a wicked series. And what I like about it is, you've seen Hancock? Yeah. Okay, so you know, is his name James or Jason? Is it Jason Bateman? Yeah, Jason Bateman. Right, you've seen, um, what, what's the, the TV program he's done it's famous for? Arrested, Arrested Development. Development. Right, what, what genre is that? Mockumentary. Which which falls into comedy. Yeah, it's comedy. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's the same dude playing. He wrote Ozark and he's directed it. I'm pretty sure he wrote it. The most intense, wicked thriller. And it's the same geezer. So does Bateman play and, it? And, and he doesn't he doesn't actually go on what was you gonna say? Does does Bateman play like a non comedic role well? This is the joke thing about it. It's a non comedic role on paper, but he uses his comedic talents in the role to make it even more believable. Right, okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, and the only way to do that is to, is to, is to take people out of their comfort zone. So he's playing an accountant, but he's not just a normal accountant. Like if I said to you an accountant for a corporate, a corporate company, you might think normal geezer, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe married, you know, not the most exciting life, whatever. But he's a Mexican, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's an accountant for the Mexican cartel. Okay. So you see moments where you might think a nerd commas is going to act in a certain way but because of his comedic values and his the films that he's been in and how he does that in this role it's just it, it works man it works his kids are wicked his wife's jokes but you also see the dysfunctionality in 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 it but you also see the humor that comes with dysfunctionality and the irony of it all because they're a family you always revert back to the loyalty do you know what i mean so it's that's it's, it's got all of those kind of things going on with this storyline where, like, do you know what Ozark is? No. It's a place in America. Do you want that interesting fact? It's got more coastline in California. Really? Yeah. If I'm wrong, obviously, apologies, but that's what I'm pretty sure it has because it says it in the program. Um, so Ozark's a place in America. That's where he relocates to in the first episode, isn't it? But there's a reason. I'm not going to tell you why. Okay. There's, <clears throat> there's something that he does that puts him there. There's, there's a, there's, there's a moment where you think everything's going to go left and it don't because of what he does. But he does it in the way that he's Jason Bateman as if he was in Arrested Development. You, you, see, you see elements of that in this role or him in Horrible Bosses. So that's what's wicked because it still works even though this programme is not a fucking comedy. Yeah, do you know what? I'm going to start on that this week. Do you, man? Yeah, anyone that's watched that it, they can push you along yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I've been told I've been told about Ozark for a long time. Also, as well, um, I've been listening to a lot of music, and I just want to quickly touch on the fact that talk to me. I reconnected recently with some old albums, and I want you to definitely check out. I'm just gonna. This is free tunes, yeah. Just want to put out free random tunes. It's Wu Tang Clan, Older Gods, track number one. Track number two, Corrupt Space Boogie. Track number three, Boosie. I remember three tracks. You might like them, you might hate them. And on that note, enjoy your week. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Stay safe, man.